Joel, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Thank you, Rudy. How do you pronounce your last name? Gotera. Gotera. Yeah, I don't, well, yeah, Gotera, Gotera, I don't know. I've heard it. So you can roll the R, it's okay, Gotera. Yeah. It's fine. I feel like Spanish speakers tend to correct me when I say Gotera, so... They correct you on your own yeah, name. Yeah, huh? they do. My my <laughs> old, my family I always grew up saying just Gotera. So Gotera. Okay, and you're Filipino, right? Correct. Correct. So does your mom call you Joel or your parents? Your dad? Yes. Wait, <laughs> is that normal? It's very normal in the Philippines what? for people to be Joel to be called Joel. I yes. actually didn't know that. So I whenever I tell people how to say my name, it's always my mom says Joel, my dad says Joel. Like you pick whichever one you want. But I never knew that was a normal thing. I really didn't. That's crazy. Joel or Joel? Yes. But you prefer Joel. Yeah, I usually tell people Joel. Joel Gotera. Correct. Not Joel Gotera. Correct. <laughs> okay. And here at St. Faustina, what's your role? I'm the assistant coordinator of youth ministry, which means I just work with the junior high and I help Katie, the coordinator of youth ministry with all youth ministry things. Junior high is mainly your thing. Yes. Yeah. Is there a huge difference with the junior high and high school? Yeah, yeah, there is. I think, um, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot, just maturity, of course, and then energy, and then attention spans. But I think with like the eighth graders, of course, they kind of, it's either they're behaving like high schoolers already, quote unquote, or not uh -huh. at all. So Or still kind of carrying on that elementary mindset yeah. too, huh? Yeah, like a lot of my outgoing eighth graders we're very much like behaving like high schoolers, but then mm -hmm. whenever we did something silly that I think a lot of high schoolers would hate, uh, uh -huh. they're just all in. So <laughs> that's a good time. <laughs> How old are you? I mean, you could pass for a middle school. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> You've got that youth. I am 28. 28? Yes. Wow. Much older, yeah. I would have guessed a lot younger than 28. I would have guessed you're like 16. Fresh. Maybe you could pass for a 16 year old. Yeah. Does anybody ever confuse it? Like at, during any of those youth nights, do any of the no, parents No, all, all the think? time. There was, uh, I'm trying to remember this now. This happened very recently. I think the beginning of the summer where this woman uh, in the church building was looking for like the leader for the youth. And uh -huh. so my high schoolers looked for, like found me and they're like, oh, you can talk to Joel. And so I'm explaining her. Yeah. Like, who do you need? What do you need help with? And she uh -huh. goes, no, no, no. Like who's in charge of the youth? And I was uh -huh. like, no, no, me. And then she's and she's like, oh wait, what? I thought you were a high schooler. And then you know we go on, and then I think like thirty minutes later, she's trying to look for me. Uh -huh. Runs into Katie, and she does the same exact thing. And Katie, of course, an adult, yeah, she's like, no, no, no. Where's uh, Joel? Joel, like he's in charge. And she goes, no, no, I work here too. <laughs> so yeah, we're me and Katie are very youthful uh, looking, <laughs> and you have that youthful energy about y'all too. Yeah, I get that a lot too. Did you um, grow up here in Houston? No, from Fort Worth. Well, I was born in New Jersey, but basically a Texan. I moved to Fort Worth when I was three. Okay. Three so And so I moved to Houston back in 2017 and then left and then came back again like two years ago, 2020. What brought your family here to Houston? Or just me. The so, first time, I mean. Okay, so. to Fort. I mean, excuse me, yeah. Fort Worth. What brought your family here to Fort Worth? I honestly don't remember. Uh, pro I think work. I want to say work and then just getting out of the cold. My uh, parents don't like snow. <laughs> New so, Jersey? Yeah. They don't like the snow at all. You oh. don't have any memories of New Jersey as a... No. My first memory was three years old. Uh, and that was in Fort Worth already? Yeah, yeah. My third birthday. And then how long were you in Fort Worth from birth and uh, from three years old until... Even to now. So my family's still up there. Oh, they're still there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then you... Are you born and raised Catholic? Yes. Yes. Uh, classic Filipino upbringing. Um, just go through all of that. And then sacraments on time, whatever that's supposed to mean. And then. Your, your parents, are they from the Philippines? Were they born and raised in the Philippines? Yeah. My mom was from Boyombong, which is, I think, the South. And okay. then my dad's from Davao City. And I hope I don't get that wrong. <laughs> I always confuse it. I know my mom for sure is from Boyombong. And your dad is from Davao. I believe. And they, they both came here to the United States, settled in New Jersey, had you then moved to Fort Worth. Correct. Where they're still there now. Correct, yes. So you went through the school system in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. Did you go to a public school or a private public school? Public school, yeah. But what was it like there in Fort Worth? It was good. I think 
I like the weather even now much better than I do Houston because uh-huh. it's so humid here. Um, but it was it was good. We had a lot. So my mom moved to Fort Worth, and then I also have two, uh, three other siblings too. But older, younger, two older and one younger. Okay. So, and then my older siblings were about a year apart each. So kind of growing up with all of that, and then my youngest is way down there. Um, Boys, girls, uh, older brother, and then sister, then me, and then a younger sister. So you you went through the school system in Fort Worth. Where did you go to college? Texas A and M. A and M. Okay, <laughs> so that's what brought you more or less to the Houston area. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I love College Station. I, I miss A and M. A lot of our high school kids <laughs> are going uh, there now or graduating, going to A and M. And so, uh, I'm seeing pictures of this on their Instagram for the Catholic Center. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I miss it a lot. <laughs> you get all envious of them when they head out there. I yes and no. I I think I'm more jealous of the church they're building on campus oh. than. Uh, and then walking, I, I kind of miss like the walking around, just hanging out with friends. And then the I whole never, vibe. yeah, I never studied in college though, but, uh, but the hangout part always so good. So while you were growing up, did you think that you'd be, you know, a youth minister? Not at all. <laughs> what, what was your, your goal? Ooh. Okay. So my goal in high school okay. was, uh, to be an engineer and to make a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. Okay. And I think also just growing up in like the Filipino culture, it's either like I was probably either going to be a nurse, <laughs> yes. like most of my cousins or uncles, yes. and then uh, a doctor, uh-huh. which is what my brother's is right now. And then engineering, like something that in the can, medical like, or yeah, medical engineering, something like that. Some degreed field there you have to pass a board exam. Yes, exactly. Of some sort. Yes. And then make plenty of money. So that was my goal. <laughs> that was my goal. And then when I got to A&M, I realized I'm really bad at math, oh. really bad. And so I, I changed majors uh, spring semester because I realized maybe that's not what I should be aiming for is a lot of money. Now, growing up, mm-hmm. how was your, you know, your, your family's uh, Catholicism? Was it, were you guys Sunday Catholics? Were you very involved in the church? Did you just only show up to church every once in a while? Uh, it was, yeah, we're nominally Catholic, I think, which is pretty normal, I think, with a lot of Filipino families. Um, yeah, I went to Sundays when we could, but my mom, also a nurse, she was working a lot of weekends. And then mm-hmm. my dad is nominally Catholic, but he is, he, he's, he's straight away much more than okay. that. And so even now he's not a practicing Catholic. So if you want to pray for him, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be great. Uh, for his conversion, but um, yeah, we grew up as kids, just kind of kind of having that kind of. I think as a a man now, and just as a boy watching their dad, uh-huh. uh, not really interested and like kind of reluctant to go to mass, reluctant to take the kids whenever mom is gone. Um, like had a lot of effect on me, and then even just not having much of a prayer life, and then. I don't know, the kind of shallow, shallow. Going through the motions type thing. Yeah, and then even just the mindset of once I get these sacraments, I'm out of here. And so, Mm. uh, yeah, very, very shallow. And then when I got to high school and I'm interacting a lot more, being public school, a lot of like atheists, a lot of non-Catholics, a lot of um, different religions, I think I began to question a lot more. And so actually in high school, I was basically a, atheist okay yeah because you were you know you didn't really go to church that much mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. know it was pretty much surface level yeah what you'd experienced so going through high school not so much what about going to college yeah going to college uh, that's a lot of my conversion and so i think it's like the backtrack a little even in high school the and what i've told a lot of uh when i share my testimony is when I went on my confirmation retreat or see the sacraments, all of these things, okay, um, I kind of had this uh, very like poor image of who God is, and so mm. I would like all, some of my friends. I went on these retreats, like had this beautiful experience, and then they would like come up like, "Oh my gosh, I'm praying and God like bless me with this new car or something crazy like that." Uh-huh. And then for me, uh, there was just like a lot of stuff going on in my family immediately, just with hospitalizations and just like financial and there was just like, it was a very broken uh, household and um, praise the Lord. It's not like that anymore. Uh-huh. But um, 
So when I hear like these kids having these like great experiences, like God's giving them these blessings, me as an atheist or like questioning uh, high schooler was very much thinking like, well, God either doesn't exist and this is just like coincidence or God must not like me at all. And he's like doing this to me. And so coming out of high school, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I was very, uh, very angry at the Lord oh. if he existed. And yeah. because I think just of my relationship with uh, my parents and then just me being, I don't know, like classic high school angst. Kid. <laughs> like, like everything is worse than it actually is. And so, so kind of magnify that attitude. Yeah. The I, fact like, that you were going through high school, you know, mm-hmm. the, yeah, those so teenage I, years. I just projected a lot of like my idea of God, like mm-hmm. from like my experience growing up and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, coming out of high school, I was just very angry. I remember distinctly my cousin. So I went to A&M because my brother went to A&M. And then my cousin also, we were in the same class and my best friend at the time also. But I remember hearing how like Christian uh, A&M is. And, uh-huh. like, and so I, I remember like telling my cousin, I looked at him and goes, I don't really care at this point if there's like, like if it's Christian, but these Jesus freaks will never get to me. I, I said that distinctly. I was, <laughs> Those exact words. Yeah, yeah. I was like aggressive and also like, I mean, I, yeah, I just rejected this whole idea of God. And like, if he exists, he just sucks. Like sucks completely. Like just terrible, whatever he is. Wow. Yeah, so. So either there is no God or if God exists, he's treating me terribly. And yeah, that's he, why he's I hate out him. to get me. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And so. Yeah, going into A and M, um, just kind of trying. Like, I mean, I at this point, I've just gone through like the classic. Well, not I don't say classic. Just a very hedonistic lifestyle in okay. high school. Just self-centered, um, caught up in just the things that the world tells me is going to fulfill me. Yeah, and so pretty but, much a party lifestyle. Yeah, more or less. Um, I was like the the one that people didn't know had like a selfish lifestyle. I was kind of the good kid. Um, in class, but uh, when we got to AM, I was kind of, I think, reaching an endpoint of just like, this is not, like, this, there's no way my life is going to be like this forever. Like, it can't be. Um, mm. So it was like, I was in a very desperate place, and my best friend was a Baptist, uh-huh. very strongly so. And so he was like, hey, Joel, you want to check out these Christian ministries on campus? And me being lonely and just like really all he's like my only friend. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, and this is later on in your. So this is like, this is really like the first weeks. So oh, okay. before A&M starts, okay. the classes start, there's a week called uh gigum week okay. where like all these clubs and stuff like that, they mm-hmm. kind of try to pull in members. And so, so much happened that first week, uh, gigum week. And so my buddy and I uh, were just visiting ministry stuff like that and uh-huh. i'm like uh, uh and at a certain point i meet a group of evangelicals who uh were very like interested in me and like okay. didn't want anything from me and just wanted to know about my life and it made me really uncomfortable but also very like something about this is different uh-huh and so like time goes on and like the next week they invite me to this thing called breakaway um which is i don't know well breakaway is like this tuesday night it's basically a giant uh, Bible study or like Protestant service that okay. happens in Reed Arena, which is the basketball arena at AM. Thousands of students, like so many. And it, it was like these things. So like you'd see like droves of uh, college students walking uh-huh. to the basketball court to, for this. And so August 28th, 2012, section 212, um, I went with my best friend and like this Christian group of people I met. Okay. And I remember Jamie, my best friend was on my right side. And then Josh was on my left side. And then we're sitting there. I'm like, I'm way, I'm like way over my head. There's like, thousands, <laughs> like not even like a thousand students, but it was like, like thousands and thousands just like sitting in this arena with a stage in the middle. So you're thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is like, this is not like, I'm like music is playing this Christian music. And I remember, like, I was like, I don't know what is going on. And this guy comes up on stage with a guitar. Uh-huh. And he was like, all right, guys, let's praise the Lord. And everyone's just like, ah, yeah. Like, everyone's uh-huh. screaming. Everyone stands up. People are clapping, cheering. And I stand up. And I'm thinking, 
what have I got myself into? <laughs> like this is, I was like, there's what is going on, and then did you still think of? These people as Jesus freaks. Yes, one hundred. Like this, uh, like this confirmed it. I was like, "What are they doing?" Like, I've never seen people clap and get excited for uh, church at all. Uh-huh. It was just so bizarre. And then, because up until this point, for you, it was just motions that you went through. Yes, yeah. Okay. It was like it was like following the rules, obligation, just like get the thing done, go through the checklist. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so people are just cheering, and I'm like, uh-huh. "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" And so this musician. Um, yeah, August 28th, 2012, uh, Tuesday night around 9 or 10 p.m. I don't remember exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, I just remember at a certain point, the musician starts playing songs and I'm like, uh, I'm not going to sing. And then these other people next to me are like singing and like, you know, raising their hands uh-huh. and then like closing their eyes. Some are crying and some are laughing. And I'm like, what is, what is this? And so the musician starts playing this one song called uh, One Thing Remains and... It's very old. I, I told this story before and someone said I aged myself just with that one statement. <laughs> um, and the chorus like says like, your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Mm-hmm. And I just remember they get singing that. Yes. And I remember just standing there and then like, just like that, I was like, oh my gosh, my life has been like so backwards. And I just remember, I just remember, I just started weeping. Just like, look, well, like the, the hide your face kind of weep where I'm just staring yeah. at the floor. Yeah. And just like, I just, I realized there was a God that he loved me and he still loved me despite how much I was trying to avoid him, how much I hated him. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would say that's kind of like that my reversion moment where I just, I decided like my life has to change from this day forward. I remember I walked out of that, basically a new man. And it confused a lot of my Family and a lot of uh, my high school friends. Too. The friends that were with you, did they notice it right away? Did I think they say so. Anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really don't remember anything that happened after that. Like with conversations, I remember just uh, one guy who was like the leader of like this Protestant uh, ministry. I, I was, I went with. Uh-huh. I remember him and I talked for a bit <clears throat> on our way back to campus, and. But I I just remember distinctly walking from the south side of campus, just like looking at the ground as I'm walking and just thinking like my life can't be the same. That's all I really remember. It was it was very much like a like I don't know. Like you're I, I'm I'm so on the wrong path right now. Yeah, it it was very much like that whole turning over of my life. So what did you do with that? <laughs> I did a lot. And so What was the first thing you did? The first thing I did was uh I came back to that Protestant ministry. I okay. kept going back to it. And so they kind of became that community that I needed to just kind of show what it meant to have a community. And then what uh-huh. they kind of like led me in like these very basic, like Christian, like prayer, Bible study, stuff like that. And so I was super, 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 super active. I was, I was, I was excited to be there every Wednesday night. They called large group. I was in their Bible studies. And then uh, lunch, I was always eating with them. Whenever people were hanging out, I was always with them. And so were you uh, in the process of converting at that point? Yeah, I was, I was, I mean, what I tell people is I was essentially like an evangelical. I was in like that ministry. Um, we did a lot of on-campus evangelization. And so okay. we would just go up to people and just like, hey, like, what do you think about Jesus? Uh-huh. Like, who, who do you think he is? Well, uh-huh. Let me tell you the gospel. And so we would do stuff like that. And so uh, they were kind of, yeah, walking alongside me while at the same time on Sundays, I was going to mass with my brother and- Going to Catholic mass yes, with your brother. Okay. Yeah. So for whatever reason, um, probably the Holy Spirit, I just felt like I needed to be there for Sunday. Okay. Maybe it was just this sense of obligation. But I mean, St. Mary's in of itself was just amazing. Um, uh-huh. So it was beautiful to me. And I remember- uh, yeah, every Sunday I would go there. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturdays, I was with the Protestant, uh, my Protestant friends. And I also remember, this is all in the fall. Again, a lot of happens. Wow, the the, that short amount of time. Yeah, a lot uh, happened. And I just remember, on, there was a point where I was starting to question a lot of like why I'm Catholic and uh-huh. what's the point of doing what we do. And a lot of my Protestant brothers and sisters were also questioning, why do I have to go to mass? Like, why 
is there a Mary statue at the front? Uh-huh. And why is there like, like, why do you guys do these things? And I didn't know. And I was like, I don't know. Did your brother know that you were doing this other stuff? Yes. What did he say? Well, he was actually uh, part of the reason why too. So he was also had this major reversion um, two years prior uh-huh. uh, with an evangelical group, a different one. Okay. Um, and so he, he didn't, I forgot what exactly um, happened, but I, he just like encouraged me to visit like the ministry he was in and okay. St. Mary's and then all these other ones. And so, I mean, I just actually learned this yesterday where uh, my brother and his best friend, before I was going into a and uh, were like praying for my conversion as I was entering a and oh, I wow. just learned this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really cute. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for that. But so he had an s- experience similar to yours. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure the details of that, but I just remember uh, he was much more active in the youth group than I was, but I remember like something changed also in okay. him, uh, when he got to A&M. What about your family? Um, you know, your parents, did they hear about what was going on with you? Yeah. Well, I came back. I was, it's like that new convert zeal essentially where I got back ah. and I was like, change your lives. And I went, <laughs> it was horrible. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, I'm like embarrassed sometimes when I think about it. it when was, you have that new energy. Yes. Yeah. yeah like the uh-huh. new, I was basically new convert zeal. And I just want to tell everyone uh-huh. like, like change your lives. Like Cause stop. you're on fire. Yeah. 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 But I'm, I did it horribly. Uh, Cause I was like, stop sinning. God doesn't like sin. And then a lot of people don't know how to deal with that. That's why when yeah. you have that new energy. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that was uh, maybe like uh, something I wish it would have been nice if I kind of was walked through that too. But when I got home, man, I, people were so weirded out by me. <laughs> and I remember like my high school buddies, I, I went back to uh-huh. watch a band show because I was in marching band in high school and watch like how the new kids are doing. I went there to tell them to give their lives to Jesus. <laughs> and like, people are like, Oh, he's kind of weird. And I'd be like, we sing in a circle. And like, so uh, like, what are you guys struggling with? Like, what do you need help with from the Lord? And then people, I remember, they're like, uh, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, oh man, we got to work on that. And it was, it was bad. So, but I think my, my parents, of course, were just very like, what is going on? Uh-huh. But, Cause they knew you as a different person. Yeah. The person who called people like that, Jesus freaks. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah, I knew, I know they, they obviously recognized it, but also I was, I was significantly happier. I don't know, like we can imagine this, but I used to, in high school, I had like long hair, it covered my face. Okay. Like, like angsty, all black. Like all emo smile. and all. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the emo scene kid. And so <laughs> I never smiled. I never, and if I laughed, it would just be like deadpan, like, <laughs> or like, wow. It was, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, I was such a poser, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even going coming back, I just remember people like saying, Julia, you're smiling a lot more. Wow. Or you're laughing a lot more. Uh-huh. And so um, even just like they, there was like a significant change. Um, it was like When you have all this energy, mm-hmm. what kept you from going completely, you know, converting completely and, uh, you know, going away completely from Catholicism? Yeah. Um, I think partially was my brother who was getting more active at St. Mary's okay. and then other ones just being uh, the priests there. Uh, uh, Bishop now, uh, but Father David Condrola was the pastor there. And uh-huh. so, and it was just like the community there, like something just drew me in. And I believe the sacraments were real uh, to like whatever degree I believed it. And like, I would go to confession very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a scruple. And so- had to go confess everything. Um, but it was with, I think for good intentions, but uh, a big thing that happened in the spring uh, at St. Mary's was, or oh, there's this retreat called Awakening, which I think is very popular. Aggie Awakening at a and I've heard some of our former guests talk about it. Yes. Yeah. So Aggie Awakening was like the big, this was like the spring of my freshman year. Again, a lot happened that first year. Wow. And so my brother and like, they don't do this anymore, I hope, but like a big thing that happened was like awakening was like the shh, don't tell anyone the secrets that happened at retreat. And uh, so, yes, of course. And then yeah. the other thing being, I'm going to sign up everyone 
even though they did not ask to get signed up for this <laughs> retreat. So my brother did that. One day I get a call like, hey, congratulations, you're on Aggie Awakening. I was like, what is that? You're signed know. up for this retreat, you yeah, have no idea. Which my brother, <laughs> my brother made me do. And I remember I was like, okay. My, he, he encouraged me a lot to go and like that would just be good. And so I went and then uh, there was... I remember distinctly, I think it was March 4th, 5th, 6th. I don't remember the exact days. I remember my reversion day at least. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Friday night where we're just praying around uh, in like a circle and everyone is praying the rosary. Um, and I do attribute some of, like a lot of this to Our Lady too. But during the rosary, I just remember sitting there and thinking, uh, like, I think this is where my home is supposed to be. Like I, that, that stuck with me. I just knew I was like where I needed to be. And like, uh-huh. the Lord wanted me to be there. And I do think like uh, in that moment, Mary was very much interceding and pulling me in, uh, even though I had no idea. But, you know, looking back, it was that moment during the rosary where I just remember like, I think I need to be here. Wow. Speaking of Mary and the rosary, now you did mention you were asking a lot of questions about why do we pray to Mary? Why do we pray the rosary? Why do we do these things? did you go and explore more about those questions? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, again, St. Mary's was so good. And they had this thing called Catholicism 101, which is like an apologetics, just kind of like the foundations. Uh, I used it. I went to it because I wanted to prove everyone wrong. Uh-huh. So not really great intentions at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I ended up like understanding more and more of the faith. And it was just in conversations, like listening to the homilies, um, researching my own answers on Catholic answers. And I think a lot of a lot of it was just me also learning how to say like I don't know the answer, but I still trust like what the church is teaching. Uh-huh. Um, and so I did get answers. I never I was never good at explaining it to my uh Protestant brothers and sisters. Because some some of them like some of them were fallen away Catholics and some were uh much more aggressive than I think uh would be ideal in any conversation. And so uh, I, I just learned to kind of not engage in conversations that was just a matter of I'm right, you're wrong. No, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm, so, yeah, just try to avoid that conflict already. Yeah, yeah. Because I knew I couldn't, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not capable to like convince you of anything. If you're, you're, they're not gonna budge, you're not gonna budge. Exactly. Let's just not talk about these yeah. things. We can still be friends. Yeah. And all, okay. Yeah. Now, did you change your major? Oh, yeah. So, again, freshman year after, while, while this is all happened, conversion, coming uh-huh. back to the Lord. Doing uh, bad in math, right? Doing bad in math. <laughs> doing bad in math. I remember my final of that semester. Um, it was like the basic math course, and it was 10 questions long, and it was three hours. And I just remember sitting there, staring at this paper for three hours, just writing numbers that I thought were important. <laughs> and then my buddy and I, we got up, left, and I was like, bro. And then he looked at me and goes, dude, that was so easy. And I was like, uh, yes, <laughs> so easy, so easy. And s- somehow I made, I got a D, <laughs> which isn't like not failing, I guess, uh-huh. but uh, failing to me. Um, so I switched into international studies and got a minor in Japanese. Um, oh. I, 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 I liked culture i liked people and then i got a minor in japanese why specifically japanese yeah so at this time i was really into i think i mean this please tell me manga and anime please (laughs) yes i was oh wow (laughs) like i told i used to tell people that it was not that's not why i just like japan Uh but that was a big mate like a big factor the other one being is uh my brother and i and my dad it was like this very like fatherly father son moment uh-huh. uh, growing up where we'd watch it was called Samurai Saturdays on some episode where we'd just watch samurai movies okay it was like black and white and so that that already had me attracted to samurais which is Japan even though Japan doesn't have any samurais uh like uh-huh. like they used to uh-huh but so I picked Japanese um not really practical at all uh today are you fluent in Japanese? I'm I'm not. I I there was a point where I could like very much hold uh conversation. I could uh-huh. get around like uh Japan. I, I studied abroad in Japan for two and a half months. Um oh. in twenty fifteen, I think okay. the summer. And so I was able to just travel 
on my own if I needed to and just understand what was going on. But not not fluid anymore. I you lost it. I lost it. I yeah. I can I can say like a few things or I can uh-huh. like kind of pick up what's going on, but not really anything. But I still remember the rosary in Japanese. So. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So you can you can go to Japan and pray the rosary in Japan. That's that's about it. <laughs> uh, I'll just like start saying the Hail Mary in front of them. Even with the manga, you can't you know with the animes and stuff. Would you pick up any of it? Not in anymore. Jap- not no. anymore. I like so I I had a capstone project to complete my minor and uh-huh. I uh, was I, I had to translate a manga. Um, that was my that was my project. Wow! And so I was able to do that. Uh huh. Not anymore. Did you take like um, kendo classes or karate classes? <laughs> Have or you been like watching? I was like, why do you? Know? Yeah, I did. You actually. did? Oh yeah. my gosh! <laughs> it's so funny. Like, Have you been? Were you following me, Rudy? <laughs> um, well, I would have done that. You yeah, know, I know. Getting I, into the, I the culture. Did. Yeah, no, I. So my best friend and I at the time, uh, we both decided to join the kendo class. And oh, specifically kendo. Yeah, okay. we specifically joined kendo, and I remember. Yeah, that's so funny. I forgot that I did that. So with the wooden swords yeah. and everything. So okay. We, I never got there long enough to like buy the armor and stuff, but okay. I, I did a couple of, I think a semester long of just kendo, things like that. So, so you got the basics down. Yeah, I, I knew how to like strike and then I knew how uh, to move, things like that. Do you have a samurai sword at home? Uh, yes. You do? Nice. Yeah, I, I still have the, the, what's it called? The thing. The wooden bamboo sword. Yeah, I don't know what that's called. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, why not, Rudy? Um, yeah, I still have that. And then, yeah, that was a good time. So how did international studies lead you to youth ministry? Um, who, okay, I was like, man, there's, it's funny reflecting on how the Lord does so much. Um, so uh, international studies and during this time, just being involved more and more at St. Mary's, uh, uh-huh. just kind of recognizing some call to uh, missionary life or like evangelization, whatever it was. Um, I also felt like I had to like really pursue priesthood, whatever that meant. And so um, I I think junior year, I began to like really explore that. And I got a spiritual director. I remember... Um, just like telling everyone and their mothers that I was called to be a priest, uh-huh. um, just telling everyone about that. And so uh, junior, the summer of my junior year, I went and studied abroad in Japan, one for my minor, the other one being I wanted to be a missionary. Okay. And then the other one being like, I felt like I was called to be a priest. And so put mm-hmm. it together to be a missionary priest. And oh. so um, I I got a lot more involved in ministry, my junior year, like specifically at St. Mary's, uh, my junior year of college. And so um, I don't know how that tied in at all. I just wanted to tell people I wanted to be a missionary priest in Japan, <laughs> I guess. But um, yeah, so I did that and I just visited religious communities, things like that. And then just recognizing my, I, something about people was very important and okay. like wanting, yeah, something about culture, people, stuff like that. And so like the way I understood it, junior year was I'm probably called to be a missionary in Japan. Okay. Uh, disclaimer, I'm not. Um, I, re- <laughs> I realized like I, that's not what that was. Um, but uh, post A&M, stuff like that, I, I basically it concluded my senior year where I just expected to be a seminarian uh, with a religious community, uh, the Legionnaires of Christ, because that was my spiritual director. And then um, I didn't have a great prayer life at all still, but I do remember I had the application. I was about to fill it out. And I just stared at it and I just heard God say, no. Oh yeah. I was horrified because I didn't <laughs> apply for anything. I had no, I, I had no goal. I had nothing lined up. I was uh-huh. like, I, I told everyone I'm going to be a seminarian with the legionnaires of Christ. Uh-huh. You were telling people already. Yeah. I, I, this is like, this is like my tendency is to tell everyone things that have not even happened yet, but just a thought in my oh, mind. Oh, this is going to happen. Yeah. yeah I'm going to be horrible. a missionary. I'm so going to be horrible. a seminarian. Yep. And- so lo and behold, all my relatives are like, like, why aren't you in seminary yet? But uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so you heard God say no. Yeah. And like, yeah, that, that was, I knew it was God because I, I, it was like so clear. I don't know. I in my prayer life was fairly like on off, on off. Uh-huh. But I just remember just being so like, so clear that God saying 
no, this is not for you. Yeah. And I, I went to my spiritual director. I was like, father, we need to talk. And then like, we're just walking around uh, campus and he just looks at me and goes like, what, what kind of, what, what do you want to do? Like, what kind of man do you want to be? Uh-huh. And I look at him, and I go, I want to be a missionary. And so that's kind of, uh, how I ended up going from there. And so I became a domestic missionary with life teen missions. Okay. Um, so they're based out in Georgia, but like between that, I just started applying for like, I just looked up Catholic missionaries. So I applied to net, I applied or half applied to life teen. I was looking into focus. I was looking into, uh, I heard about a door at a certain point. I heard about, um, St. Paul's outreach, like stuff like this. And so, uh, life teen ended up being the one that I was very clear that the Lord wanted me there. So then you moved to Georgia, to Georgia. Wanaga, Georgia, Camp Hidden Lake. So how long were you there? One year, one year. And that, that, that was, uh, like a major place of healing for sure. Um, coming out of a and um, like I have given my life to the Lord as much as I possibly could. Um, and try to pursue him as much as I possibly could. But uh-huh. a big thing that I never really knew was like how much like the Lord wants to heal a lot of just these lies and gunk. That was, uh, that was like, re- I was really living out of my wounds in a lot of places. And so- um, You were my, carrying baggage? A lot of baggage, okay. a lot of baggage. Um, and so uh, when I got into Life Teen, um, it was a one-year commitment. And so the whole idea of their missionary program was living community with men and women, um, men's house, women's house. And then every weekend there'd be retreats and you learn how to do ministry there. But the biggest thing was learning how to have this rhythm of prayer um, and like living out of that. And so a lot of prayer time, we had did holy hours uh, every day. And then we did morning prayer and night prayer every day. Mm. And we always did as a community, daily mass every day. Um, when we did ministry, we were usually paired up or with like more than, so there was, there was about 12 of us. And so, and then my, I met my best friend there too, uh, David Sanchez. And so he was my roommate. So it is a pretty rigid uh, structure when it comes to your day. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was like their based, their rule of life, which they have is uh, based off of the Benedictine rule. And so- um, that was whole idea of hospitality, welcoming uh-huh. people into it. Yeah. Um, I kind of, it was like a semi contemplative life because we were usually there and then we'd go offsite to help out the local parish. And so, uh, did it kind of feel like you were in a seminary? No, not at all. Not really? There, there was like, there was a woman next door. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see a lot of women in yeah, you know, I, don't, yeah. I don't think so at least. <laughs> um, yeah. So it didn't really feel like that, but. I I think when I discerned entering that community, I also discerned that the Lord just wanted me to know Him specifically uh-huh. and not be and you know like college kids and I'm I'm, I'm like very apologetic. Like I feel bad even now for when I talk to college kids, uh, where like there's like this anxiety of like knowing your vocation by the time you graduate, and I had that anxiety a lot. Oh yeah, I'm just like oh my gosh, this person said they're called to be a priest. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be. And then this person's engaged and she's 21. Like, how is that possible? I don't have a plan, right? Yeah, <laughs> I have no plan. I got to get something figured out. But uh-huh. uh, um, when I entered Life Teen, I just discerned that the Lord just wanted my heart. And that was the big thing that, which brought a lot of healing. Um, um, that first week we did Missionary Academy, which was like all the missionaries. So there was mm-hmm. another base of, 12 and so there was about 24 of us and i just yeah just the lord loving me a lot and like especially like the father himself just a lot of the father wounds i grew up with Mm -hmm. like just went really 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 deep and so when i realized and that i was like a son and like the father loved me and delighted me Mm -hmm. um that brought a lot of a lot of freedom um and of course like that the wounds go deep, of course, but it, I learned to love myself as a son, learn to love my, the father as God, the father and learn to l- love my dad too. And like, even in his brokenness. Um, and so that significant amount of healing um, and just even like learning how to have brothers and not be, I was very woman, woman, not woman crazy, but I think just the way I grew up, even in college, uh, I just associated with the woman more, uh-huh. I was like more, 
open to them or attached to like those kinds of friendships and things like that. But when I got to Life Teen, I was in a house of like five other guys and we didn't always, like most of the time you were not allowed to go to the woman's house unless mm -hmm. you went with like one of the other guys. And so- So you bonded with guys more. Oh yeah, yeah. We had Nerf Wars. It was <laughs> it was fun. There was like, I, I, I missed them a lot. Um, I was just talking to one of them uh, last week, but you know, a, lo a lot of dumb boy shenanigans, like shooting Coke cans with BB guns <laughs> uh, on downtime or like, like, hiding in the house with nerf guns uh -huh. or i had my bamboo sword uh, yes. in the house too so like it was like <laughs> kind of attacking the other guys like like silly stuff like that but also like praying with each other uh -huh. and then crying with each other um talking about like where we need healing with each other and like the biggest thing like calling each other to like a life of holiness which i never got that i i don't remember having that kind of experience in that way uh growing up so that helped a lot, healed a lot. So how did your parents react to all of this? You know, you changing your course and then going into international studies and all that, did they resist that? Uh, yeah, a little bit. So my mom was more like just weirded out, but didn't really say too much because uh, me being me, I was super, basically I'd be like, Jesus told me to say this um, or do this. And you so, can't argue with that. Yeah, you can't argue. And then, you know, <laughs> she was like, okay, like I won't do that. <laughs> Won't say anything. My dad, because he's not, he wasn't a practicing Catholic at all. Uh -huh. He was much more vocal. And he was, uh, even when I, when I told him I was going to be a missionary, he was like frustrated with like the salary, salary. Uh -huh. and then, or you might be a priest. Yeah, might be a priest. And so he was horrified of that. I just, and he would like always try to bargain um, as time went on. And first of all, it was just, like not at all. Later in the future, he was more of like bargaining, like, well, I see married priests around. Maybe you can do that. <laughs> um, so like, I mean, in my mind, I, I see conversion in that too, uh, uh -huh. with my dad. But yeah, they, they were just in general, they were not big fans. And even my extended relatives, because as Filipinos, uh, whatever you share. With, with your parents, yeah. It goes to everyone else. And yep. so everyone else was kind of like, it's weird. Um, but I mean, the general response also was just, that what makes you happy. Uh -huh. which I kind of hate that response, but it's fine. <laughs> so you were there for a year. What happened? Um, we, oh, so much, so much, so much. Uh, so the year was a lot of just learning what it means to be a missionary disciple, what it means to be in community, what the prayer, like how to develop this prayer life. And so there was different stages, of course. Um, and I think very, like two of the biggest things, or maybe three, was uh, in December, we went to Haiti for a, a week-long mission trip because Life Teen has a mission base there. And then in January, an eight-day silent retreat, which like blew my mind. <laughs> that that was that changed my prayer life like completely. Um, eight days eight of days silent of reflection. Wow. Yes, I love it, love it. Um, and then after that was uh, ministering to uh, our summer missionaries as they were doing summer camp stuff. So and all through that was just a lot of healing, a lot of learning how to deal with community and like love community. And then while I was like trying to discern my vocation and that, all of that stuff. So why aren't you still there? Um, so it's a one year commitment. I, it's just a year. Yeah. So the way it works is after the year, uh -huh. like you've been formed as a missionary disciple and okay. as missionaries, your mission, like Matthew 28, 19, uh, go there forming disciples of all nations. Like you're, you're going out. You got to go. Okay. Yeah. Not, not really kicking out. It used to be a two year thing, but they just realized that you don't have to have like the title missionary to be a missionary. And so, okay. Um, a large majority of us, uh, discerned other things. And then some of them were invited to stay a second year to either be a missionary, to lead the new ones okay, or to fill in like, staff rules and staff needs for okay. the camps. But if I could, I, I really wanted to stay a second year. I'm looking back, like I'm, I'm thankful uh, it didn't because I think it was probably more out of fear that I wanted to stay than it was. Fear of the unknown of what was going to happen next. Fear of the unknown, very, and, and again, uh -huh. like I, we were able to take some of our kids uh, this past summer to Camp Hidden Lake. And it's so, like that it has a very, like this very special place in my heart. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't, it wasn't, it wouldn't be, have been a good thing for me to stay there because uh, 
I think everything else that happened after I left was needed for my own holiness and growth and freedom. So what did happen after you left? So after you left, after that year, mm -hmm. you go back to Fort Worth? Yeah, so I ended up joining this other domestic uh, ministry apostolate called Adore Ministries. And that, okay. so that, that was my first trip to Houston. So they're based out of Houston. Okay. Um, they needed, so a little different from Life Team, but it was basically working as a youth minister at a parish that can't really afford it. And so okay. I, I joined right after Life Team. I joined right as Harvey uh, hit Houston. Oh. And so, yeah, it was, it was, so I was in Fort Worth, like fundraising for this new ministry. Uh-huh. My dad, again, not a huge fan. <laughs> my mom, I think at this point, my mom kind of like accepted that this is the course. Her hands are in the air. Okay, whatever yeah, Joel it, wants. Yeah, she yeah. was like, this is, I guess this is what's going to happen. He's uh -huh. just going to be doing this stuff. And so, um, yeah, so I was assigned to a parish in Galveston, Houston. And then uh, the week I was supposed to move in, Harvey had hit. What parish was this? It was St. John Fisher in Richmond, Texas. Okay. And so... Uh, yeah, I was supposed to go there, Harvey hit, and then it was flooded out for like a week. Yeah, and that then, whole area, yeah. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I couldn't even drive down there. It was like chaos. Because the Brazos River, right? Was that, yeah. It? yeah. Yeah, I remember getting a phone call from my director saying, hey, don't drive down because like, there's no way you can get here. You'll have to swim, right? Yeah, <laughs> essentially. And so I, eventually I got back, I got down to Houston and then a lot of what I was doing was the Harvey relief work and then eventually getting started at the youth ministry at St. John Fisher with wow. another missionary. Wow. So it kind of changed what the whole plan was supposed to be. Yeah. It was a Harvey was, relief in the beginning. huh? Yeah. It was crazy. And even a lot of, I think that first few months was still, I was doing both where like the missionaries would be asked to um, help out at this house, tear down walls, replace stuff. Uh -huh. um, I remember I almost got electrocuted. Very. Oh boy. Yeah, I was. I was not very. I'm not. I'm not very good with tools. <laughs> <laughs> I was not very smart. But uh, and then water. Yeah, this is not good. But um, yeah. So we kind of. I kind of flip flop. Eventually, uh, when the ministry started getting picked up, we were doing. I was doing a lot more of the youth ministry stuff. And then, how did that bring you here to San Faustina? Um, man. How did that bring me to St. Faustina? Well, I, uh, yeah, for that year, it was just a lot of prayer and a lot of discernment, a lot of uh, still considering like vocation, like what is the Lord calling me to, mm -hmm. knowing I have this like desire for evangelization and missionary uh, spirituality. And so uh, towards the end of my year and a half or so with the door ministries, um, I decided to take a step back from Ador. I, I started leaving. I don't know why I said it like that. I mean, take a step back. And I was I was leaving Ador <laughs> uh, with the intention of pursuing more deeply uh, a call to religious life. And so, mm, so it was still there, even though you heard mm -hmm. that no when you were. Yeah, like I I discerned that no was definitely a no to now and a no to like that moment and no to Legion. And okay. so uh, not no. Forever. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so uh, during my mission year with Adore, I had gone on a visit with two different communities, one being the Servants of Christ Jesus. They're based out of Denver. They're a baby community, but I love them. Um, one of their priests was my spiritual director for my eight-day silent retreat um, throughout that entire year. Uh, they're, I love them. His name is Father James Claver. And then the other community I visited uh, was this Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, who are very popular because of their podcasts uh -huh. um, and Ascension Presents. Yes. So uh, I left Adore with the intention of pursuing this like genuinely. And so I did a couple of, I did two come and sees with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, uh, stayed there two different trips, five days each, and then eventually went on a 30-day silent retreat <laughs> uh -huh. in the summer. Wow. So this is 20, I think going into 2019, I did a second visit with the CFRs. And then in the summer, I heard, because I was on their newsletter, the Servants of Christ Jesus, they were doing a 30-day silent retreat, opened it up to any men that wanted. Uh -huh. And 
I don't know if you know, but uh, silent retreats are expensive. They're direct. They're like <laughs> they kind of like it's it's like I remember looking it up later on. Like something like four thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, and that's like thirty days paying for meal, paying yeah, for board. Just the meals alone for thirty days is a lot. Yeah, so it was expensive, and so the servants. Um, when they were like posting on their newsletter, it said like a thousand, like twelve hundred dollars. That's all he had. It costs uh-huh. because they're mendicants, meaning they don't like people. They just take donations, and so uh-huh. people were donating money, and then them not having any money, just like contacted retreat centers in like the area or like in the United States and tried to find the cheapest one. I think as to how it worked and what would work for the thirty days. Uh-huh. And so uh, the retreat center they found was in Utica, New York. And then meals were cooked by us. <laughs> oh, and so yeah, that's how to cut the cost. Yeah, they cut okay. it a lot. So it was twelve hundred dollars, and so I, I did thirty days in Utica, New York, with my spiritual director, Father James Claver. Wow. Yep. And then you're not a priest now. I'm so. not a priest now. No. <laughs> what happened? Well, I mean, the thir- I went to the thirty day with the intention of you know, like I need that vocational clarity, but even like reflect. And if you've ever gone on, have you ever gone on a silent retreat? Yes, I have. Not a 30 day one <laughs> though. Yeah. Like even now, like my eight day silent retreat and my 30 day, I still like, I still reread my journal and uh-huh. I still pray with it. And so I'm even looking back at it now. Like, I think the biggest thing the Lord wanted, uh, more than anything was more healing. Um, because I mm-hmm. remember like that first week, uh, this is spiritual exercises, um, a lot of silence. It was just, the Lord's just like, <laughs> like, let's open up that stuff that you're still hiding from. So um, after all of that, is that when you found out about the opening at St. Faustina? No, this is, I have such a <laughs> long Oh, life. there's still more. There's still much more. <laughs> yeah, like the third, third day was a lot. Um, okay. Yeah, and so uh, I started... There was a clear call to pursue a master's in theology. So I'm studying oh, wow. at Franciscan online right now, getting my master's, which will take forever because I'm going so slowly. And then <laughs> uh, I was, I think a couple, that year I just kind of like, I want, when I left Houston, I swore off Houston because I hate Houston. Because um, <laughs> yeah, of the humidity? Humidity. Like I was like, oh my gosh. Well, you also came during Harvey, Harvey, which is a really bad time for Houston. Yeah. And I think also, I just didn't know how to handle uh, ministry or like just, because again, wounds and stuff like that. I was living out of a lot of that too. Uh-huh. And so uh, when I had left Adore, I was like, I'm never coming back to Houston, all that stuff. And then eventually, um, one day I was like doing homework and like browsing jobs. And then I just remember looking at Galveston, Houston and seeing St. Faustina. I was like, (laughs) I'll apply for that. And then I applied for a couple other jobs. None of the other jobs worked. And then I remember I eventually got contacted by Brian Lennox, the director, and Mm -hmm. then interview process but it was covid and then um he didn't he wasn't (laughs) it's gonna make him look bad um he wasn't able to respond back immediately so like i applied and then something happened because of covid yeah and then they were they had like pause hiring and so it was almost like i applied and then it almost took a full year for anything to really get rolling um but I, i i eventually interviewed and uh they interviewed me at noah's ark um Oh, in that room, yeah, yes. that room with the animals. Yes, but uh, yeah, I remember like that interview. Like this was the job I was most excited about, um, uh-huh. and it was between them, or Saint Faustina, and this other missionary apostolate called Vagabond Missions. They're based out of uh, Steubenville or Philly. I don't remember, but it was it was like inner city ministry. But it was between those two. But when I did my interview with uh, Saint Faustina, it was just very clear. Just this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah, and I, I there was just a lot of peace, and then I just remember, like telling the Lord, I was like, I said not to Houston, like I don't want to go back. I was like, no, not again. But um, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> the I'm humidity, yes, yeah, the humidity and the possibility like, of hurricanes, <laughs> traffic, concrete <laughs> jungle, like all of this stuff. Um, I don't know anyone here, but. Um, yeah, so the Lord called me here and it's been, I think I'm nearing my third year now. Wow. Yeah. So no plans to go anywhere right now. No, no. Just studying for your master's in 
theology. Yep. Yep. So administering to the the kids here. Yeah. So that's that's all I've got. So tell us about the work that you do here at St. Faustina. The work I love it. I love it a lot. Um coming in, I was kind of hesitant, but uh junior high kids are so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they're in that weird phase, that's they, why. Yeah, they're in that weird phase. Between and being a kid and an adolescent. Exactly. Yeah. And uh I think it's very beautiful. And I, I, I'm very blessed uh, be, being able to uh, be here for more than a year. Like even like my whole life post-college was always one year, one year, one year, one year, one year mm-hmm. of being in a place. And so uh, these past two years, almost the start of my third, third, um, being able to like walk with like this group of kids. And there's like, there's like, of course, some junior high kids are much more active and even some of these high schoolers I've gotten to know just kind of seeing Jesus work in them and then even seeing like uh yeah the conversion that happens is like a uh-huh. major gift how much they progress over the the years yeah. yeah and and this is something Katie and I have talked about like whether we're giving talks or just I think even in our own conversations of how uh like it is a huge gift to be able to it's a sacred blessing to actually see the Lord work. Mm. And then like even this past summer with my summer camp junior high kids, just kind of like literally just seeing the Lord work and then seeing, like hearing them talk about what happened. And even as some of my kids, my first group of kids are going into ninth grade. So of course I'm not going to be around them as much and even having conversations. Uh-huh. Uh, with one of them I remember and it, I was like crying like when she was talking to me or she was like Joel can I just thank you uh, for uh, just being like you're the reason why like you started talking about this and I realized oh my gosh there's more to wow and like not to say anything about me but just like how I think sometimes people think of junior high ministry like it's just either like um not important or like, or just like another thing or people, I honestly, I think some people avoid it because uh, they're hard, like they're weird and like, you don't know what you're going to get. It's a different phase for the kids. Yeah. They're such a bizarre phase, but man, like hearing how and seeing how the Lord is working Uh like over these past years, like makes it completely worth it. And like when I was talking to this young woman, I just remember I was just like, Oh gosh, like this is like, I was very moved, but I was like, oh, I'm not worthy. They're like, no, this, but it's you- a really crucial time though. Cause that's when you can start to lose kids. Exactly. And what, I, what I've told people and what I've heard too, and I believe it is like, if you, if you get them, like get them, I don't like that phrase, but if they have this encounter with Jesus, uh, as junior high, like you're they're they're set. Like they're, they're probably going to stick with it from that point forward. Um, you just have to get them to something to click there. Yeah, exactly. Once you get that to click, yeah, you're and, good. And yeah, and these kids are they're kind of like, I don't know. I think there's like a mystical spirituality with some junior high kids where like I don't they sometimes they say these things in like small groups or and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I need to pray with that." I remember my first year I was doing like a quick a small little Bible study. Uh-huh. And I was like, "So, what do you guys what do you guys pray about?" And then this one girl uh, goes, yeah, I was just reading the Bible last night and I closed my eyes and I just said, Lord, whatever you want of me, I'll do it. And I remember just like looking at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a mystic. And I, I, was, I was like, I, I need, she needs to be teaching this. Uh-huh. Or um, even when I worked with Life Teen, a lot of junior high kids and then like fairly clear, like nothing prompted kids having these vocational calls. That's awesome. Yeah. There was a, some kid who basically like heard Jesus say to me, I want you to become a priest. And then wow, being junior high kids, you ask more of what that meant. Mm-hmm. Just like have them hear them say it. And then they say like, I want ice cream. And then they leave. And then that's it. Like, it's like this weird, like super deep, super profound. Uh I think much deeper than uh, people imagined. And then still also shallow on the other end. And it's just, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love, junior kids are very fun. They're fun. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what to expect. 
Oh, thank you for coming in and telling yeah, your story. Sure. And uh, we wish you all the best with, you know, with with you working on your masters in theology and uh, and with all the work that you do here with the kids at St. Faustina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. It's been great. Oh, yeah. God bless you. Thank you.